Typically Hazardous, welcome to this episode. Uh, before we dive in, and this is really, really a fun episode, uh, I want to give you a few things that need to happen. October 3rd, we are doing our second to last live recording at the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles. We're going to do two more of these, October 3rd and then one in December, and then we are no moss for 2016. can't believe we've got a whole year of these things under our belt. So I want you to join us. It's free. There's no tickets. There's no RSVP. There's none of that stuff. We just want you to show up. Doors at 7.30. Come and be a part of it at 8 o'clock, October 3rd. Can't wait to have you there. Second thing I want to let you know is that we are beefing up the email list and beefing up what's happening with us for 2017. And I don't really want you to miss any of this, especially with the stuff we have coming up in November and December specifically. So if you're not on our email list, if you don't get our emails, text message the number 66866 and text the name Hank to 66866. Join us. we got some cool stuff coming in November, cool stuff coming in December, and then 2017, we're going to get uh, really, really exciting. So I want you to miss it. It will be no spam, I totally promise you, and they're really, they're only bi-monthly. You'll get like two of them a month. Um, other than that, we're going to dive into this conversation, and this conversation is really, really exciting, and I hope you find something in this podcast that helps spark the creative adventures in your life. Do you ever wonder what your life would be like? What will you wish you would have done? after it already. What's life without a little adventure? We get one chance. Best live a big life. The exploration of the unknown. The hope for something more. This behavior can be classified as typically hazardous. I call it an adventure. Welcome. Let's get started, shall we? Welcome to Typically Hazardous. This is Hank Fortner, and welcome, welcome, welcome. I am sitting in the Saguaro Hotel in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's pronounced Saguaro, but it looks like Saguro. Uh, it is a wonderful place, Scottsdale AZ. I'm here cast on tour, and today's episode is a conversation about creative adventures. I'm glad you're with us. And here's what we're going to do here. Today, in this conversation, we are going to create the podcast together that I wish I had. So for me, so many times I'm searching and searching and looking for podcasts under subjects or topics or whatever, and I don't want to hear of tons of ads, and I don't necessarily want to hear an interview with a person that does a thing, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes I'm searching for podcasts that can give me that creative spark I'm looking for. I want to have a conversation about creative adventures because in reality, in our life, we live in a creativity economy. The guy with the ideas, the guy with the ability to solve problems creatively, the guy with the ability to keep moving forward, that inspiration that we're driven by, it makes us better dads, it makes us better spouses, it makes us better moms and friends and humans. If we can be driven by a spark of inspiration and not be driven by the burden of obligation... So, this conversation is for you, or is for someone you know, if you are here and you want to dive deep into the adventure of creativity. We live in a creativity economy. Meaning that essentially what I'm hiring you to do instead of a robot to do is I'm hiring you to be creative. I'm hiring you to solve problems. I'm hiring you to use a part of your brain that a machine cannot do. 
that I can't automate and I can't create a set of rules, a lot like an if-then programming rules, the creativity and your ability to process fast and be inspired is the magic of you as a human being. It's why you have the job you have and they didn't just ask Amazon to build a drone to do it. Your inspiration in your life is your magic sauce. Everything amazing in your life that you bring forward comes from some inspired moment. And that is a part of who you are that must be protected at all costs. So this conversation is going to be about how to protect and fuel that creativity. first part we have to discuss is we have to discuss what happens with your brain when you're being creative. Now, for those of you who know me and for those of you who've been a part of my podcast for a long time, you know that I'm an amateur neuroscientist. So I'm going to dive deep into some things, skip off of some things, but I won't lose you. The first thing to realize is I'm about to say some things about what happens to your brain on creativity and explain a few things is that no one actually knows. Even the most Uh, foremost neuroscientists in this area of neuroscience and creativity, even they say this is a brand new field of study because we just now have the technology to be able to observe what happens to a brain when you're creative. So I'm going to tell you a bunch of things that we know now, but it's sort of like, remember that eggs debate in the 90s where it was like, don't eat eggs. And then two years later, it was like, you need to eat at least two eggs. And then it was like, eggs are bad for you. Okay, eat the whites. No, you need the yolks. That's sort of the season or the adolescence that this process is going to be in. So here's the deal. We're going to go through a couple of things. The first thing that you need to know is there's a bunch of guys, and I'll say a few names just in case you want to follow up on this stuff later. Mark Beeman is probably my favorite of this group. Adam Bristol is really good, and Andreas Fink are three people who are just extraordinary neuroscientists in this category. So all what I'm about to give you is all out there somewhere in the universe I'm just collating it for you and saying, hey, this is what you need to know. The first thing you need to know is that the first law when it comes to creativity is there's so many people who have said this crap about being right brain and left brain. Have you ever heard that? Where you hear a phrase and you would say, oh, okay, yeah, I'm a right brain guy or I'm more of a left brain guy or I'm going to use my right brain. Meaning that right brain was somehow the creative part of your brain and left brain was somehow the the logical or the active part of your brain that deals with statistics and logic and spreadsheets and that sort of thing. Which is where that fallacy came from that if you were right-handed, you used your left side of the brain, which meant you were more logical, you were more analytical, and then if you were left-handed, you were more creative. Those are entirely cultural. What we understand about the brain is there's this area of the brain called the corpus callosum. The band, it's a band of neurofibers that connects the two hemispheres together. So all of this understanding of a right brain and left brain, yes, those are activities of the brain, but no person is right brain or left brain. So if you hear someone say that, like, well, I'm just a right brained guy, that's not, it. that's just the strangest thing. That's like saying I'm part of a, hu- I'm just sort of part human. You have a brain. That brain interacts at the right brain and the left brain level in equal forms through the corpus callosum, which connects those neurofibers. We were not able, when we were first observing activity in the brain, to be able to see that when the right brain is going off with fun, exciting, creative ideas, it's also connecting through this corpus callosum to the left brain of logic and how that fits and where that fits in the world. What we now understand the brain to be is we now understand it to be an area that has three networks. So when you have a creative idea, when you are uh, going about your daily life and going to 
to the pharmacy like I did this morning. When you are functioning with other human beings, you are not engaging in this binary right brain, left brain world. You're actually functioning within three networks. Those three networks are going to be our focus for this conversation. The first one is you have a network called the Executive Attention Network. The Executive Attention Network is taking care of, just like you've imagined, imagine an executive at a desk. That's the part of that brain that your brain looks at that and goes, we don't have enough money for that. We do have enough money for that. We don't have enough hours for this. How long is this one going to take me? It's your logical cortex. It's not really a cortex, but we're just going to call it that because it sounded right. It's the logical cortex. It's your executive attention. It's when your brain is focused on how do we get from point A to point B, how much fuel do we need, how much food do we need, all those things. The second area is called your imagination network. This is, and I'll read this verbatim, constructing dynamic mental stimulations based on personal past experiences such as used during remembering, thinking about the future, or generally imagining alternative perspectives and scenarios to the present. Your imagination network is in a constant process of dealing with who you are and the information that you have in your life and then connecting that to the outside world and moving things around and imagining the future and remembering the past. It's the connection of things. It is it is the imagination network is taking pieces and putting them together that would otherwise not be together. Now you have a third group called the salience network, which I'm going to talk about again in another podcast, actually in like a month. So just remember that the salience network is more about how you communicate ideas. It's more about how you have conversations. This is the relational element of your brain. And again, they're identifying these as networks because you can't say that something happens on the left side or the right side, because it's more like there's activity firing up all over the brain. So it's the network of which arenas of our brain fire up during these things. So we're going to focus in on one thing. And this is where we zoom in. We zoom in now on the imagination network. The imagination network is where your creativity lives. This is the part in the place where all of your creative inspiration comes from that when you're sitting somewhere and you have that (gasps) aha moment that came from your imagination network. If we had scanners on your brain, we would see that firing off all over the place. Now, this part of your brain is really, really essential. And I know you might be thinking, yeah, I know I know creative people, or I know people who, you know, they're just really creative, or he's an idea guy, you've heard those phrases. Or this person, I just got to get on the phone with this person. I have a lot of those people in my life where when I'm thinking about an idea or I'm trying to come up with a concept, oftentimes what I'm doing is I give those people a call, and I call and I just say, I need five minutes of your time to brainstorm this. I have to have this conversation And I'll just brainstorm with them because they're really good at ideas. Now, last piece of brain information, and then we're going to get right to the practicals. There is a part of your brain, it's a fiber that goes over neurons called myelin. Now, that's not as important that you remember that as if you remember this. Your brain is a muscle. Your three networks in your brain are muscles. And it means that you create an information superhighway in your brain, or myelin, if you will. The more often you use a network of your brain, the stronger that network gets and the better you are at it. That when you focus on, let's say for instance, for this sake of this conversation, your imagination network, and you focus on the creativity, your creativity is a muscle inside of your brain that will grow because myelin is a fiber that goes over the synapses that create the connectivity of those ideas and that space in your brain. So you might be listening to this podcast and thinking, I'm not a creative guy. I just clicked on this because it's so not me. It's not you because you haven't done it. 
There are Olympic lifters who are stronger than I will ever be in my life, and most of them started when they were 12. I will never catch up to them muscularly. But when I look at my body and I go, yeah, I'm just not a strong guy, how many, how many times and days that I've spent in the gym will directly correlate to what my body looks like in that mirror, how strong I am, how physically fit I am. It's the exact same thing with your creativity. You have to get into the gym. You have to focus on these things. So many times people perceive that inspiration is as if, as if, or creativity is as if somehow you sit there and you wait and it comes and it finds you. And I know there's some really famous conversation about that right now, which I love. And I'm so appreciative of the idea that, that ideas are, are, are out there and they're just going to come and find you. But they're not going to come and find someone who is not strong enough to hold them. You sitting in your car, sitting in your house, sitting on this airplane, you and your creativity is a muscle. And when you flex it, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. Your family, your art, your career, and your life will be better for your creativity coming to life. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to walk through a few processes of what that creative gym looks like. What do you do if you feel stumped? What do you do if you feel like, hey, I'm just sitting here and I'm going, man, I am out of ideas. I have writer's block. I have creativity block. Or I just feel like my life is so structured. What do I do? So now we're going to go down a list of all of the moments and all of the places, the things I've been able to come up with that I would say, these are four things you can do to get into the creativity gym and get lifting, or I don't know, that sounds, get into the studio. I could sound a little bit more sophisticated. The first one is raw materials. Write that down. Remember that you need raw materials in your life. The enemy of creativity is finished products. I will say one more time, the enemy of creativity is a finished product. In your life, when you're observing someone else's finished product, your voice will immediately go to the raw materials in your life, the comparison game will start, and you will get discouraged. If you looked at someone's raw materials, you might look at it and you would go, hey, I could do that. If you've looked at somebody's talk before it was ready, if you looked at someone's film before it was good to go, but if you listened to a person's song before it hit the radio, you'd go, I think I can write some music too. Because it's the raw materials. It's notes and letters and words and colors and it's pieces. It's, it's the creativity of an of a unfinished business plan. It's the sort of beginning of an idea. What raw materials are, raw materials are not final products. So many times in our life, we surround ourselves with the finished products of things like Facebook and social media, finished products like websites that are really intuitive and easy to use. Those are finished final products that do not make you more creative. What makes you more creative is when you can take raw materials and when you can take sounds, when you can take letters and words, when you can take things that are not designed for mass consumption, so for me, what I take raw materials is I find windows of my life where I can find old things that weren't designed for our fast-paced world. So when I'm trying to put together a talk, what I'm looking for is the oldest information on the material I want to have a conversation about. What information is not pop 
or what information is not out there that's already been sort of sexified and made to look awesome and made to look fun? What are the raw materials? So when I see someone who has an idea that came out into the world, I want to know where were you when you found that idea? My guess is you were not looking at someone else's finished product. You were dealing with raw materials. When I'm starting with a talk, I don't go, who else did a talk on this subject? And then listen to that talk. I don't listen to talks on podcasts on purpose because those are finished products. I want to start searching and researching and I want to listen to medical journals and I want to find different things because I want to discover the raw materials that might inform that finished product of a talk. If I listen to the finished product, I'm, I rob myself of the process of discovery as I look through those raw materials. So if you're here and you're a musician, get into the raw elements. Go to the weirdest and I mean the weirdest musical experiences you can find in your city. Go to, don't go to, this is a terrible example. You ready for this? And I might lose you and you're going to click it off. There are people who go to see Riverdance and that's amazing. But before Riverdance existed and it was a big circus, there were people playing bagpipes in the hills of Scotland. Go there. Don't go to the big circus in the show. Now, I've never seen Riverdance. I have no idea what I'm even talking about with Riverdance, so, so bear with me. It's what came to mind, okay? <laughs> Your music, go find it in its rawest form. You're, if you're a poet, if you're a writer, if you're listening to this and you go, I'm trying to build a business, I'm go to business, go to economics in its rawest form. Go find a guy who's selling tamales out of a cart in MacArthur Park and stand there and analyze that raw material of what economics is before you go put together your business plan of this big, bad, scalable, three rounds IPO business. Go to the raw materials. If you're having trouble with what's in front of you, find the raw elements of what it is you're actually working with and allow your brain, your imagination network to connect ideas that otherwise wouldn't be connected. What I find is when I get stuck, it's because I'm surrounded by final products. Number two, slow down the process. Everything about creativity is about pulling things that are disconnected together. So our process is not to force ourselves as if I walked into a gym and said, now I want you to max your deadlift or I want you to, I just want you to hit that note without any warm up, you musician. I want you to, that doesn't happen. You have to slow down the process. What that means is always be collecting. Build up a note on your phone, anything you have. Always be collecting information and ideas and things that are disparity. If something has your attention, write it down. And as you fill out those ideas, you will be amazed at how many things when you're trying to solve a problem, here you are now focused and you'll remember this weird thing that you saw. Always be collecting as you slow down the process. Don't force yourself to be creative in a moment. Pause and go, how can I be creative? And then when that moment comes, I'll be ready. Number three, do something random. Your ability to get the imagination network going oftentimes will require you to go get out of a familiar space. It's why writers go off into a, a mountain. It's why people who are stepping into their own creative voice say, oh, they, it was travel that did it for them. There's this really interesting study, and I don't have the quote here, but I could put it on Twitter or something after this podcast. There's a really interesting study about all the people who created the most incredible art in the world, all of them. 
spent at least two years abroad. And when I say abroad, language barriers, cultural barriers, uh, change in ge- geography, like the, whether they lived in a hot place, they went to a cold place. Something happens to you when you step out of your environment and what is familiar. Your biggest trigger to getting into your own personal creative space, maybe all you need to do is you need to get on a trip. You need to get away. And that trip doesn't have to be like that $20,000 trip to Turks and Caicos, but could it be Palm Springs at a Motel 6? Could it be raw materials someplace? Could it be camping? Could it be driving? Could it be just go for a long drive? Could it be going to somewhere wild? Do something random. There's a really cool story I read about by a guy named Joe Woodland. Joe Woodland is an interesting man because he was sitting, trying to solve a problem. And he was sitting on a beach and he was just running his fingers through the sand. And as he ran his fingers through the sand fell through the cracks of the unique fingerprints and he was watching how the sand filled in the holes of his of the pores of his fingerprint and he realized how that every single person has a unique fingerprint and as the sand would fall in it would fall on everyone's hand differently so this guy goes home and draws out for the very first time ever the barcode so now when you see a barcode anywhere in the world you can know it was invented by a guy named Joe Woodland who calmed himself down went back to raw materials and did something random to discover his own creativity that solved a problem. This dude patented it. He's one of the top patents in the world. Everything has a barcode on it. And it was because this guy used raw materials and slowed down the process and did something random. Number four, stop the dream killer. Now, the Executive Attention Network is the part of some people's brain that they've used the most. You might be listening and you might be that person and you go, yeah, of course, I focus only on whenever I have an idea, I go, I can't do that. Whenever I have an idea, I can't do that. So this is the dream killer. This is the person or the voice inside your head that tells you when you say, I'm going to make a film, I'm going to write this, I'm going to pull this, I'll get this person involved, I'll collaborate with this person. That's the voice in your head that says, no, you won't. That'll be too expensive. That won't work. What you have to do is you have to stop the dream killer. You have to take away their voice box for a little while. Now, if you're having a brainstorming team meeting, something like that, what's really important is when you have that person in the room and there is always that person in the room, you tell them that their role in this room is really, really important. The person who's going to look at you and tell you that can't work or that's too expensive or what's the budget for that or what's the practical realities of that or that's too fast or this is all those things. That, those voices can oftentimes when you're trying to create feel like someone is, is slapping around your butterfly and it, you're like, hey, you can't hit this thing. It's this precious thing that's so weird to slapping around your butterfly. That sounds um, precarious, but actually like, you know, like imagining that a butterfly is this precious thing and if you hold it in your hand, you can't do anything. And the dream killer, the executive attention network comes and just starts smacking that thing around like, well, how much money do we have and how long and what would be the timeline and goes on and on. Now, what you can do is you can respond to these people and resist them and say, you don't understand. I can't create with you. We're not being brainstorming. When in reality, you can look at them and you can say, your role is essential, but we just don't need you yet. So what we're going to do is we're going to brainstorm together and then you're going to turn on the superpower that you have of logic and logistics and we're going to figure out how to execute this and which of our great ideas that we give space to create because we slowed down the process and these raw materials we're bringing forward. Then you get to tell us how it's possible. 
So don't hate on them. Invite them into the second part of the process. When a person is like that, you don't even have to judge them and say, well, they're not a creative or they're not a whatever. I just can't stand that word when people say, oh, we're, I'm a, as a creative, uh, that's not even a that's not even a good business term. That's just a, it's embarrassing. It just means that that person hasn't developed the muscles that they need for the creativity that you're asking them to have or that you have. Just like if it went to logistics, you maybe wouldn't have the same muscles for the logistics and the execution that they have. We have to collaborate when it comes to that space. Now, what's really important is if you're listening and you go, well, I'm the dream killer and that's what I do. And I, when I hear a stupid idea, I kill it. Or you're telling yourself, when I come up with a stupid idea, I tell myself to just shut up and just stop. Well, here's the deal. I, and I'm going to give a very crass example for how I think this works. Part of working with raw materials and slowing down that process and part of being a part of the Imagination Network is you have to come up with a whole bunch of bad ideas before your good idea will emerge. So the way I used to imagine it, and I used to tell Sue Ann this, when we would have ideas and she would shoot down my idea and be like, that sounds kind of dumb, I would go, go with it and let's pretend this is a good idea in the safe space of this creativity. We're not going to execute any of it. We're just going to come up with all the ideas possible. And when we come up with all those ideas possible, a bad idea is going to make eyes with a good idea. And then those bad bad idea and that good idea, they're gonna have some they're gonna have some some intercourse. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna bump each other. And when they do, they're gonna make a baby, and that baby is gonna be the good idea. Yes, your bad ideas have sex with each other and make babies, and that baby is a good idea. Now I used to tell Sue Ann this all the time, and someone sent me an article. There's people other people who are saying this, so I probably just heard them say it and then it just became my mind. So I know that that's out there. That's not uh, that's not unique only to me saying that. But it means that you just have to create space for some of that stuff to allow those things to happen. So this is in essence the four elements of building up the imagination network. They're my four, but they're out there all over. Surround yourself with raw materials. Slow down the process. Do random things and stop the dream Now, before I leave you, what I decided I have to do as a part of this conversation is I have to call my most creative friend. This is a guy, his name is David Arcos, and I've known David Arcos for 11 years. And of the 11 years that I've known this man, he has this overwhelming capacity to come up with new ways to do a thing. He has this amazing capacity to constantly come up with new creative ways to create movements for people, to create environments for people, to do music, to do poetry. We met at Mosaic in Los Angeles, and he has been the creative director there off and on, different times, different moments, different roles that he's played, but he still is to this day my most creative friend. What's amazing about him is that he's grown and he's built what I've described as this imagination network muscle. Now, before we talk to David, you might be asking yourself, well, how do I have this? How do I build that muscle? One really quick tip that you can dive into. I heard about this from a guy named James Altucher, who's like a business podcaster, that kind of guy. He says he gives himself 15 minutes. And every day he takes 15 minutes to write down ideas around a subject. So for instance, for me today, I am coming off tour, 40 cities. I've been away from my family for 12 days, off and on, in more than I ever have. 
So today I'm sitting down and I'm taking 15 minutes to write down any idea that comes to mind, totally interrupted, any idea that comes to mind that will involve how to reconnect with my family and how to make my wife feel loved. That's my, I'm pointing my creativity at that thing. 15 minutes, write down anything that comes out. Now, the other option is I can just go, well, I didn't think anything. Or I can be like, well, geez, what can I do? And I give myself 30 seconds and then my brain swift shifts to something else. But when you're processing that, you have this really cool ability to start to develop the muscles that our man, David Arcos, has. So let's give David a call and let's see what advice he has for us for living this creative adventure. Yeah. Uh, so David Arcos, glad, thank you for joining us. Good to be here. All right. All right. Well, since you're the most creative person I know, I had to call you before I wrapped up this conversation. So in this conversation that we're doing, we're doing creative adventures. Mm. Um, we got to ask you a couple questions, which is, and I'll start and we'll get right to it. When are you as a person most creative? Yeah. Um, probably I'm the most creative when I'm trying to solve a problem, you know, just really passionate about something. And there's a big problem in front of me, and that's at Mosaic. Uh, it's like uh, the there's never constant, any problems. There's never any yeah. problems at Mosaic. So it's the constant mo of like trying to solve problems. Like I've told people, we're like the Millennium Falcon trying to rescue the galaxy, hoping for warp speed. And I've just got you know we had very little resource, a lot of imagination. So just we have to fight through creatively and solve problems to invite people to that party that is mosaic and so how do you because most people maybe they would perceive a problem like when you're trying to solve a problem the first thought if i if you said hey we got to solve a problem my first thought would be stress so how do you uh turn that or how did you turn that or how do you turn that into your mind into this is a creative expression this is when i'm most creative yeah so uh i think like wisdom is like that, right? Like if you think of a person, you know, a person that's would be hard to work with. You have somebody that you're thinking. I can't think okay, of anybody. I can't think of I, anyone in my life. I've <laughs> only worked with easy people. So yeah, I, yeah, totally. Know, I imagine if there's yeah. like a, just a real world, like talk about real world issues. Like, okay, you have somebody that's hard to work with and you think you get, you got all your advice from your friends who tell you basically nothing that's that helpful. Um, and then you think, okay, God how could I actually creatively solve this, you know? And he kind of like shows you these trap doors, you know? He shows you these things that no, you haven't really thought of because you're not really thinking like with love. And then if you think with love, like there's like these trap doors, these spaces where you go through and like, like if I tried that, actually it'd be a win-win and I can elevate those situations. So I know that's not like artistic creativity, but that's actually sure, yeah. some of the times that I feel like, okay, that's like, creativity and maybe you know knowledge would be like wisdom in solving creative wisdom stuff like that wow, that's okay. one way so it's yeah really so practical. you're in, in your definition of creativity even that to be creative is not just going oh here's how people solve this problem it's about going there's this like divine god trap door that gives me a, a vision <laughs> does that yeah. make sense it sounds like a like a, a shaman in a sweat lodge kind of it, not not in real life but i mean in your mind where it's like okay, I need something I've never done before or seen before. Would that be accurate? Yeah. I think it's just so relational. Like, um, I think in terms of creating, you know, I think like spirituality is the power to create beauty over destruction moment by moment. 
So the best thing I can create is my, my life, the things like that. that um, and that comes out in artistry. That comes out in stories. I'm writing children's books. I'm doing stuff like that as well. Um, but really, I'm trying to create beauty in the world. And that's constant, like to every day, how to deal with the challenges of life. It's awesome. Um, and Yeah. So. It's awesome. Okay, next question. What do you do when you have that writer's, thinker's, creative block? You're the yeah, most creative person I know, but even the super, your superhero talent of being creative, what do you do when you're like, I just feel stuck? Like, do you ever have those moments? You have those moments, right? I don't want to win. Yeah, all the you. time. Yeah, so yeah. what Yeah, what do you do when you hit that wall? Because for me, that's part of the reason that I even wanted to do this podcast was uh, sometimes I look for stuff. I'm looking for something. Like, tell me there's like a – if I have writer's block, tell me there's an inspiring thing, movie, film, podcast, anything. So I'm hoping that this kind of gives people the tools – so when you're stuck, what do you do? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I watch some worthless television first, uh, okay. and, and that doesn't do anything for me. And in terms of what I really do, and then uh, – Meaning you like escape. You just go to yeah, like – you hide. Yeah, yeah. I just run because yeah. um, I get overwhelmed with fear and I feel like I can't. I don't know what to do now. I'm worthless. Um, and then I, uh, I actually look for prompts. So – I created this thing called Scribble Tools, and I think you and I have done it before, actually. But it's just like uh, if I want to turn on my creativity, I have this like imagination gym that I created, and it's basically um, I look for a prompt. So maybe an object in the room right now. I'm looking at a jar, and I'll just create a story from that. And I'll give myself like a ten minutes of a warm up. Like, okay, I'm going to create a story about this jar and these ants that come in this jar, you know, it's just like it goes, right, it goes right. pretty easy because I'm taking the pressure off myself uh, just to create something. And I do that. It's audio, visual, memory, or crisis. So that's visual. If I want to close my eyes and listen to the air conditioner going, then I can create a story from audio, you know, just using my senses to create. And then I'll time myself and then I'll like show it to somebody by the end of the day just to get like, hey, Check this out, you know, just to kind That's of That's awesome. And, uh, and you'll show stuff. somebody like, hey, I wrote this story about this jar. Yeah. And how do they respond? Do you show that to your wife? Never. Never. Okay. No, okay. Never show it to my wife. Yeah, That's going to really <laughs> That's my, my last question is what do you do about people who, who – you're haters. But um, the, <laughs> I'll, start, I'll go with this next one. I think it's a really cool thing. And even it's funny you use the phrase imagination gym. What we – what this – you know, in this podcast, I described and I put the comparison. What we know in neuroscience is that your creativity comes from that imagination network that is flexible. It's neuroplasticity. There, it can grow. You can get stronger. So, in your life, what do you do um, to make sure that you're always fresh and creative? Does that make sense? Like, what do you do to make sure? Like, does it is that a daily thing you think about, or is it just what you think about when you're solving a problem? Like, what do you do to stay in that creative zone? Yeah. I think, I think in terms of more like a passion, you know, I think if I'm passionate about something, I'm going to slide right into creativity. It's more about like keeping myself passionate because so much of the cause of what I do uh, creates all kinds of problems for me. So that could be even like my, my wife's birthday is coming up and my son's birthday is coming up in October. Mm. And <laughs> I, I want to stay passionate about like how am I going to design experience yeah. – it's going to take me back to my like wedding day, you know, like, or what, you know, that type of stuff. Like it's more about like, Hey, can I create that space where I'm passionate about those things? Or my son, you know, he's one of my heroes. How do I tell him that in a way that's not cheesy that he'll actually remember? 
um, things like that. So and that, birthdays, that kind of birthdays are a great example because they happen all the time. I think for me, I'm like a, I'm naturally a creature of routine. If I can get into a routine, I do it because then it doesn't take brain space. So then I have to get myself. So birthdays are a great example because to me, um, my wife cares a lot about birthdays. So my ability to be creative around her birthday is really, really uh, important for my survival. So that's a good example. Like, so what do you do? Like, you know that, like, that's great input on like, yeah, okay, your birthday's coming, your wife's birthday's coming up, your kid's birthday's coming up. What are you going to do about that? Like, what exercise, are you doing the jar exercise or are you diving in and going, Hey, I need to figure out how to do this, and here are my tricks. Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I just start. Yeah, I start grabbing stuff. I start looking on the internet. I start asking some questions. I'm very verbal, so I'll get some people together. I'll bring them into my problem, and then I'll always like think, okay, now how do I take that and make that original? How do I take that and hmm. make it something that's more tailored to specifically carry my wife or Aiden, my son. Um, or if it's at Mosaic, you know, the people that I really want to get, you know, into this movement, like how do I, how do I tailor it to something that would really affect them? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of like listening, you know, trying to be present, try to listen, and then try to stay passionate about the right things. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, awesome. Last question. What do you do about the haters, both in your head and outside there? Or the people who like just crush your dreams? Huh. Um... You know, I, uh, I don't know. I, I have to say, like, I'm, I'm not, uh, it's not so much my identity. My identity is not so much as an artist or a creative as much as it is, like, I'm, a, I'm an activist. Okay. So a lot of what I'm doing, uh, I already know there's going to be haters. I just, I guess... I'm trying to constantly like get better. So I'll hear input and things that I create. Um, but that's all. Yeah. I, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily like, I think it only, I think it helps me in a sense. Um, but if I don't, I think I'm more, I'll tell you this. I think I'm more worried if I don't have haters, uh, than I am if I do, you know, if I don't have a lot of haters in my life, I'm not risking anything greatly you know so because i think you have haters when you're actually living in risk and if you're not that's where i'm actually more worried so um that probably my answer no it's great i love that yeah i love that yeah awesome david you're the man any last words on creativity um i think that uh yeah the greatest thing that you can offer the world is your life not your talent so creativity if you think about creating a life You'll flesh out in all kinds of gifts and your talents will like skyrocket. But if you actually think that you're offering the world your talent, then um, your life will be small even if you accomplish great things. And so like just remember like that's what, that's what we're doing. That's what we're here for. So good. So good. David, thank yeah. you for joining us. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the opportunity. You're the man. Well, I'm so glad David joined us, and I'm really, really happy that you joined us. And as you're listening to this conversation of these creative adventures, I'm grateful that you're part of this journey with us. Here's the deal. As we dive into more and more of this stuff, I'm going to be diving into more and more of the practical, most burning ideas of reality 
that I can find, things that will matter to your life and to what's happening. If there's a conversation you want us to have, please tweet me at Hank Fortner or you can email me off the website, hankfortner.com. Love having you as a part of this podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of it. And just remember that your creativity is a muscle and the whole world is waiting for it to get stronger. Thanks so much for joining us and may you go and live a typically hazardous life.